Hello, and welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, where dog training results are achieved through the power of games. I'm Dana, and in today's episode, I'll be sharing a heartwarming and transformative journey with my own dog, Telly. I'm a pro dog trainer, and I also am a boot camper, uh, someone that has gone through our naughty but nice boot camps. And I wanted to share my story with you because having a reactive dog can be incredibly difficult. It can be incredibly exhausting, actually, and emotionally draining because you just want to achieve what everyone else seems to be achieving. And I wanted to share our story. So from battling separation anxiety, leash reactivity, to now enjoying off-leash freedom, our story is a testament to the power of positive games-based training. So I want to start with the beginning of our journey. When Telly was 10 weeks old and he came to me from a breeder and I remember the first day he came to me and he was, um, a little aloof and he was immediately showing and demonstrating signs of having some concerns with being left alone. So he would often vocalize or he would, um, throw himself at a gate or bark incessantly. And he just was distraught. And, um, there were trainers surrounding me at the time that encouraged me to let him bark it out. And that became actually almost detrimental to his behavior and his well-being. You could just see that that wasn't an emotional state that you wanted to keep him in or for him to rehearse. So a few of the things that we worked through over his adolescence was separation, anxiety, leash reactivity to other dogs, to people, um, as well as not being able to be confined in any way. So X pins, crates, even a room to himself if I needed to go somewhere. So that was where that separation anxiety came in. And on in addition to that, he struggled with just navigating the world. Now he's an English shepherd and they do tend to, they come from a herding background. They're a land race, not necessarily a breed. Um, and he, he's incredibly intuitive, incredibly intelligent, and is super aware of changes in the environment. Um, they are bred to not only herd and, provide that assistance to the shepherd with livestock, but they are also bred to guard the homestead. And, um, this is, you know, it just, it's one of those things where you realize that those different genetic components don't always equate to an ideal kind of pet home. Now, the home I offered him and, and and continue to offer him is very, was very sports based. Um, I did initially get him so that he could be an agility dog. And so when he came to me with these, um, little separation concerns, uh, resource guarding and also struggling to just adapt in the environment that we were in, I was working at a training facility, um, and he was struggling to kind of be okay with people that were in my life on a consistent and daily basis. We worked through those things. Once we were able to discover games and that's where that's, that's what I want to share with you guys today. 
So I want to, I want to talk through the emotional impact that having a dog like this can have on someone because it's not the dog's fault. It isn't your fault. It isn't the owner's fault. There are genetic components. There are, you know, concepts that a dog can be lacking just naturally being their own individual self. And, um, some of those things for him were disengagement, were the inability to let things go. It was the inability to, it was the lack of self-control and the, you know, all of which can be, and, you know, kind of included in training, but there was, there's that natural foundation, that core of who that dog is that is lacking those things that sometimes is really difficult to discern when you don't know exactly what you're meant to be doing. As a dog owner, you get this dog that you think this is, I'm going to do all these amazing things. We're going to have all these adventures together. And suddenly there are roadblocks like your dog being terrified of people or struggling with the environment or seeing another dog and going absolutely ballistic. It's, very emotional to process because you think maybe you've done something wrong or you have applied the wrong training or you haven't done enough training. You haven't played the right games. And there's a lot of guilt associated with owning a reactive dog because you feel, I think sometimes owners can feel deflated and they can feel inadequate. And, um, I'm here to say that no matter what your dog's behavior is like when it comes to the reactivity components, sometimes it just, it just is what it is. That's the core of your dog's being. And sometimes it's down to their experiences in life. And sometimes it's down to their lack of experience. And, but it's not, it's not your fault. I think that's important that owner blaming is just, it's not part of this picture. So with Telly, I remember there were days where even, you know, before I discovered absolute dogs, there were days that I cried quite a bit in my car. I did a lot of sports training with him. We did scent work. We did agility. We did dock diving. We did, um, lure coursing. We also, um, dabbled in obedience and we competed at a CDSP trial and that's companion dog sports program in the U S just for anyone that is curious. And we also did some, um, Frisbee, some disc dog. We also did, we did all kinds of things. Cause be, to be honest, I was kind of trapped in this cycle of how do I get his needs met? Because he's not on a farm. So how do I get his needs met? How do I make sure that he's getting everything he needs from the behavioral wellness perspective? And, um, there were days that I just felt as if there was absolutely no hope. Where were we going to go? Where, what, what could I do? I was doing everything. I had a team of trainers I was working with multiple private lessons, group classes, you name it. We were the resources at our disposal were incredible. And yet we still were hitting a wall with his behavior. And so there were times where I just wanted to pick up the phone And I wanted to say, I don't think I can do this. And I want 
everyone listening to know that if you've ever felt that way about the dog in your life, where you feel like you're just maybe not enough, one, you are, but also two, that's okay to, to have those thoughts and to have those feelings. So I want to dive into the turning points of what that journey was like, because up until he was about two and a half, despite daily training, despite doing everything I could to meet, be, meet his biological needs. You know, we went on decompression walks. We, um, took reactive dog classes. We did all of, all of the things that we went above and beyond. I think I mean, he was constantly in some form of training and I wasn't seeing, I was seeing sometimes gradual progress, but it kept just defaulting back and slipping back. And the regression when you get a win is just, oh, it's like, it's almost worse than if you ever got a win in the first place. And I, so one of the things that we, um, found was I was at a herding lesson and I do want to share this story because it's important is we were at a herding lesson and the instructor that I had had already planned because she knew about his behavior. She had already planned how this sequence of events would occur. And when I got there, she didn't tell me that she had already kind of come up with a training plan. We were supposed to be introducing him to geese. He was great. He's a, he's an, he's a very natural herder and, um, and very upright. Um, unlike border collies who are more stocky, but very upright, more like your Australian shepherd type herding dogs. And, um, we went through a channel and by channel, basically just describing this for you guys that are listening is it was, we were surrounded by fencing and we had about a five, it was about five, I don't know, maybe eight feet wide. Um, and it was about, I'd say, 50 to 60, well, no, maybe 70 feet, um, long. Okay. And sorry for the measurements being in feet, but basically we're walking down this channel. I have him beside me and where the fence that we're walking beside is her neighbor's fencing. Um, and unbeknownst to me, my instructor had texted the neighbor and had asked her before I arrived if she would release her dogs when she got another text, when she saw us coming through that channel. And she did. So suddenly we were faced with this situation where we had about five dogs charging the fence line and fence fighting with a dog that is and has been reactive. And of course he had an absolute like that. He was terrified had I known that was going to happen, I would not have done this lesson. I would have advocated for my dog. And that is also really important for those of you that are listening that have reactive dogs. Advocacy is one of the most important things to protect and safeguard your dog against things that they don't need to experience. And that was a failure for me. Looking back, I thought, wow, I, I put him into that position because I trusted this person that was supposed to be a professional to be able to safeguard us both. And that did not happen. So, and then in terms of, you know, she just said, 
he just needs to get over it. And that was the best way she thought that it might happen. And everyone's going to have their thoughts and processes, but that was not ideal for him. After that experience, and actually on that day, that's how I became familiar with Absolute Dogs because um, someone that happened to be an acquaintance happened to be there. Um, She was not associated with this person necessarily, but just a resident on that property. And she came to me and said, have you heard of Absolute Dogs? And I'll be honest, initially I had, and I'd seen, you know, this energy and I thought, that's a lot of energy, but is it real dog training? And I went home that day because I was in tears and I said, I have to find something. And I went ahead and I jumped on and I messaged the team and I said, I want in. And at the time it was training Academy, now games club. And I said, I want in. And they said, you know what? You're lucky because we open the doors tomorrow. And I have never looked back. And when it comes to Telly, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that his progress when it came to accessing the games library that was available in games club, which is now I think 385 video lessons or give or take, depending on that. But it was incredible. I immediately was getting wins. It was immediately just win after win after win, introducing those foundation games and having that, the power behind it of understanding how the concepts work, how to select the games, what was his unique recipe and having access to that opened up an entire new opportunity of adventures for us. Um, and that included being able to work with him on his confinement issues, being able to work on his resource guarding, being able to work on his leash reactivity. It was almost like there were light bulbs galore. And, um, one of the things that was really exciting was that it was, it became so much more measurable. It became one of those things where it was like, suddenly I was able to see and define the success that we were achieving through the games, through these powerful games. So I think one of the biggest uh, transformations that we were able to have was when we started to do the boot camps. Now the boot camps are three individual boot camps, each of them being three weeks long. Um, so nine weeks of learning and they are reactivity, off-leash freedom and household manners. And because that covers everything, right? You've got, you've got your out and about, you have your household, and then you have that leash reactivity that just becomes its own. It's a whole um, problem in itself, isn't it? And so when we jumped into that, I was pretty skeptical, Um, but it was the, it was what we needed. It was absolutely life-changing. And in fact, I actually have to share with you a few wins from the community, from the boot camps. And I wanted to share that with you. So 
from Stephanie, we have huge win for uh, Gwadi and I today. Gwadi went on her first group walk in almost half a year, and she was awesome. Half a year ago, I realized I'd made a mistake, long story, and Gwadi was no longer able to be around multiple dogs without losing her mind. She was charging other dogs, constantly nonstop barking, hurting other dogs, circling the whole group, and the dog walker constantly nipping other dogs, stopping other dogs from playing together, and just in general, being a huge bully in the pack. Fast forward to today, Gwadi 4.0 strutted her stuff today. She engaged in appropriate play. She didn't stop anyone from playing with each other. She initiated play from other dogs in a really nice way. And she was just so happy. The games work. I still have work to do, recall, while she's engaged with another dog for starters. But I'm so proud of her. She did amazing. My Fitbit showed me that my heart rate was sky high the whole time. So I still need to rebuild my confidence as well. Just having her around other dogs and then being calm is the goal. We will keep playing the games, growing our skills and working toward our real life results. Congratulations, Stephanie. The, and then we also have from Julie weekend when we had our first in-house visitors in a year and I made a plan for the dogs and for us. I moved the dog crates into our bedroom with the door closed while awaiting arrival. They arrived and I encouraged them to use the bathroom and then get their lunches ready and sit down at the table before I got the dogs out. They all sat down and I prepared the licky mats and we let the dogs come downstairs, but with a baby gate so they couldn't go see the family. They could hear them while they ate the licky mats. I finally took the gate down, down and while they were a little while to start, we asked Vito to come to his raised bed and he did. He jumped right on while Rudy continued to get pets and love for my father-in-law. Rudy is really gentle. I heard my husband say, is this growing my dog in the direction I want to go? So no. So we guided Rudy to his boundary. And when I looked over, my husband was playing calm boundary games with both dogs. This from the guy who six months ago told me 80 games weren't going to work. Who told me the dogs weren't going to get on the raised beds when I brought them? My pessimist husband took the lead in front of his parents and got those dogs to be calm. So after a few minutes, I told my husband he could break them off and they greeted everyone fairly appropriately. And then a few minutes later, Rudy went in the crate and Vito curled up on his bed. Done. Two hour visit. It only took the dogs about five minutes to be completely calm and no one was any of their business. Congratulations, Julie. Mercedes, this may not seem big, but it is huge. This is a win. I just took a shower, a proper wash my hair, enjoy the hot water shower, and not a peep, whine, or scratch on the door. I was able to trust him outside his crate, and he just waited for me. Presence doesn't mean access. It's incredibly hard for him, but he does better if there, was a, there, there is a visual barrier. Taking even a quick shower every day has been near impossible since I've had him. We have a long way to go, but I am so proud right now. Congratulations, Mercedes. And finally, and last but not least, we have Laura. DMT win. They may have just level for themselves without me even being present. I let them out in the yard for a quick potty. I heard them bark and I remembered I was expecting a delivery today. Went to grab my pot of kibble to go out and DMT and scatter feed them. They were quietly waiting on the step, awaiting their scatter feed while the delivery man was literally at the other door, having had to walk right along the fence of the yard they were in. So they could have gone right up to the fence, but chose to wait for their reward instead. We've been working at this for a while and it's so nice to see it paying off. Congratulations, Laura. 
So those are some success stories from our boot camps. And I wanted to share those with you because not only are they insightful in terms of maybe giving you some tips and strategies on how you can handle visitors arriving, or maybe if your dog has struggles with you being away from them, but also it's just seeing that there are so many ways to look at wins in your journey with your dog and their reactivity struggles. So let's go ahead and just talk about where Telly and I are at today. So Telly and I are able to now go and have off-leash freedom walks on the beach. He ignores people. He ignores kids. He ignores dogs. He ignores the birds. He ignores everything. And his eyes are only on me. And it's an amazing feeling to be able to be have him have that freedom. Now, not everyone is going to want to have off-leash freedom. That's completely understandable. Improvement is possible. Getting to your goal, whatever that might be, is possible through the power of games. Now, I wanted to just share that with you because we started off, Telly and I, almost, if you could imagine, a list of problems. He came to me and was like, okay, you know what? You need to learn about all of it. Check, 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 check. And um, I remember you know, there was a while to that two and a half years before absolute dogs where it felt so incredibly overwhelming. There was no support like it is like you have with the absolute dogs community. And for those of you listening, I want you to know that you do not have to be alone in your struggle and that there is absolutely, there is hope in terms of being able to overcome whatever behavior struggle you are facing with your dog and you are the right owner for your dog. Okay. So, um, in terms of takeaways from my journey with Telly is one games are transformational. And even though it may sound a little silly games, you know, can they really change your dog's behavior? They absolutely can. They can reshape your dog's brain and they can take you on a journey that you never thought you would have experienced with your dog. And suddenly those adventures that you had in the first place in your mind, that dream, that dog owning dream becomes so much more than it ever could have been in that dream. The realities far surpasses that dream. Um, two is that there is a process and the boot camps give you an incredibly structured and amazing process with easy interactive games. It's a short time, a fun time, not a long time when you're playing with your dog. And it also gives you the support you need in the community you need. And also three, most of all, is that you are the best owner for your dog. You have the dog you need, and you're going to learn incredible lessons on this journey. And most of all, you're doing everything you can. And I think that's an important takeaway. You're listening to this podcast. If you're playing the games, you're committed. You're doing the right thing. Your dog is lucky to have you, and you're exactly what they need. Those are my takeaways I want to share with you. And now, I'm going to go on a walk with Telly, knowing that we're going to have an amazing time together thanks to these games. So thank you for joining us on the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. And remember, no matter the challenge, there's always a game to help you and your dog find joy and success. I'm Dana. I'm a pro dog trainer. 
And together with Telly, we are signing off. Keep playing those games and see the amazing transformation in your dog's behavior. Until next time.